All right, I want to welcome all of our campuses. I want to welcome those that are joining us each week in Baton Rouge, our Gulf Coast campus, those in Metairie as well. Really excited about the new building coming over there. Of course, every week, all those that are joining us online and here at Little Creek, we are so excited. I want to welcome you to week three of our series entitled Brave, a study in the book of Daniel. Come on, let's just welcome all those that are joining us. Man, excited. Excited to have all you with us. Every year we kick off the school year. Uh, twice a year, actually, we do through a book of the Bible. And I like to do one uh, when kids go back to school. Uh, this would be the time. Uh, it's a six week series. We're on week three. I'll have three more weeks after this. Today, I want to talk to you about the courage that Daniel's three friends had when they were thrown in a fiery furnace. Matter of fact, I want to talk to all of you at all of our campuses, those of you that are going through a trial, you're going through a fiery furnace, maybe not a literal fiery furnace, but, but, but a trial in your relationships, in your marriage, maybe with a child, maybe in your business. This is the message for you. We're going to see who shows up in our trial. If you haven't been here, I'm going to give you just a little bit of recap. Week one, we talked about how Daniel, Daniel lived in Jerusalem with his friends. There was an invading army from Babylon that came in around 605 BC and they came and they deported a group of young Jewish teenagers back to Babylon, 500 miles east. There was actually three deportations. And one day, here it is, Daniel's with his friends. He's with his family. He's with his home. And here comes this invading army, snatches them, and takes them back to Babylon. Just think about that. The Bible doesn't tell us how long that journey was. Maybe it was a week, two weeks. Maybe it was a month. But talk about a culture shift. Here it is, he's grown up as a young Jewish man. Most scholars believe that he's about 15 years at the time. He's in Jerusalem High School, hanging out at youth group. Come on, are y'all with me? And boom, he's taken and he's brought to a foreign place with a foreign language, foreign gods, away from his home, away from his family, away from his culture. He's stripped. He's placed on a fast track of learning. He's actually enrolled in Babylon University, a three-year program to be trained to learn a new language, to learn new customs, to learn new rituals. As a matter of fact, his name was also changed. His name and his three friends, they had Hebrew names and they were changed to Babylonian names. Talk about a shift. I said week one how the enemy wants to rename us. God gives us a name, but how culture wants to rename us. Weak, insecure. How God says you're called, you're chosen, you're righteous. How our culture and even those around us that don't know God, they want to name us to belittle us, to put us down, to erode our potential. God is always trying to lift us. God is always wanting to mark us. Chosen, called, anointed, clean, forgiven. At the end of chapter 1, the Bible says that Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with Babylonian culture. Week 2, if you weren't here last week, and I want to encourage you each week, you can go online and download all these messages. I think it's interesting if you stay along with us in somewhat of a narrative, linear fashion. And Last week I talked about in chapter 2 that King Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king, he has his dream. 
And in this dream, it's a wild dream, but in this dream, he has a dream and he demands the interpretation of the dream from all of the court magicians and wise men. Of course, they wanted him to give him the dream first, then they'd give them an interpretation, kind of like the psychic hotline today. Tell me what you're thinking and I'll give you an interpretation. No, King Nebuchadnezzar said, I want the dream and I want the interpretation. Of course, nobody can do it. The king gets upset. He's getting ready to kill all the wise men in Babylon. Guess who was one of the wise men? Daniel. And the Bible says that Daniel lifted his voice and he prayed. He brought all of his pain of losing his relationship with his home and his family. He brought all that pain. He brought all of his expectation to God in prayer. And God spoke to him. And God gave Daniel both the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had and the interpretation. Chapter 2 ends where Nebuchadnezzar realizes that God has spoken. That Daniel's God, listen, Daniel's God, I don't know Daniel's God, but Daniel's God is a real God. Matter of fact, he makes an edict all throughout Babylon and he promotes Daniel. He promotes Daniel. Why? Because even the unsaved know when the supernatural shows up. Even those that don't know Christ, they, they don't know the Lord. Just remember that. People at your work, people in your neighborhood, people around you. Let me tell you something. When God starts speaking to you and God starts using your life in signs and wonders and miracles, even the unsaved culture takes notice. Now, I do want to qualify. Nebuchadnezzar, he was shaken, but he wasn't transformed. You know that you can be shaken. You can actually have an experience with God. You, you can go to a church service. You can hear a message. You can be inspired. You can even cry tears. You can be shaken. You can be gripped, but not transformed where you surrender to Christ. Nebuchadnezzar, he wasn't transformed. In other words, he saw something supernatural on the outside, but he didn't embrace it on the inside. So Nebuchadnezzar goes back to his pagan ways. We pick up in Daniel chapter 3, verse 1 and verse 2. The Bible reads, Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its width 6 cubits. And he set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And the king Nebuchadnezzar sent word to gather together the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. He was shaken when Daniel interpreted his dream, but the following chapter, chapter 3, we see that Nebuchadnezzar goes back to his old pagan ways. So he builds this, he builds this massive 90-foot gold statue. You guys ready for this? You ready for this? To himself. Wow. Nebuchadnezzar is building this 90-foot pagan idol. He's attempting to join all of Babylon under the leadership of one religion where he could ultimately be deified as God. That's what Nebuchadnezzar did. He's clearly intoxicated with his own power, with his own preeminence, with his own prominence. He's intoxicated, so blinded to the reality that he builds a gold 90-foot monument to himself. Wow. Interestingly, he covers the entire surface of the statue in gold, not just the head. 
Not only does he build a 90-foot-tall pagan shrine to himself, he calls all the leaders of Babylon to come to the dedication ceremony. Then he commands them, watch this, then he commands all the people to bow down to that monument in worship of him. Check this out. Look at verse 4. This is really interesting. Then a herald cried aloud to you, it is commanded, O peoples and nations and languages, that at the time that you hear the sound of the horn and the flute and the harp and the lyre and the psalmistry in symphony with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and, uh-oh, he crossed the line and everybody say it, worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And whoever, and whoever does not fall down and worship, ouch, Worship, he shall cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Look at this golden idol. Let's think about this for a moment. What was going on through the minds of Daniel's friends? Now, now what's interesting about this is the Bible, Daniel's not in there. Some scholars believe that he was back at the king's court, but, but Daniel's three friends were there. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now you got to remember, and, and by the way, the Bible doesn't tell us how many years. Some theologians believe maybe it was two or three years. So if they came to Babylon at 15, maybe they're 17, maybe they're 18 years old. Remember, they're Jewish. They're Hebrews. And remember, every young Jewish boy, remember, read the Old Testament. Read the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6. Read all of that. Remember, every young Jewish boy, they understood and they memorized the Ten Commandments. Commandment number one, you shall have no other gods before me. And now Nebuchadnezzar is telling these Jewish boys to worship him as God. Problem number one. Problem number two. Remember the second commandment? You guys know the Ten Commandments. You shall not make any other graven image. You should not worship any other. You should not make. Oh, wait a minute. They're asking me to worship another God, and they're asking me to bow down to a graven image. That's the second commandment. That's a violation. I can't, I, what are we going to do? Are we going to do that? Guys, we can't do that. Now, <clears throat> I want you to think about this for a moment. Daniel, in a sense, was the leader. I wonder if they said this. This is crazy. I don't like the fiery furnace thing. Maybe we just do it one time. Nobody sees Danny's not around. Of course, he's the best. He's the holiest, you know. I mean, I'm just being honest. Maybe they were thinking that, but if they did, it was a fleeting thought because they didn't act on it. Wow. Talk about pressure. When all of the culture around them, thousands and thousands and thousands of people are bowing down. And what are they going to do? Maybe you're in a situation right now. You're in a business relationship and your partner's asking you to compromise and you know it's against your Christian values. And you're like, I, I just, I, I, no, you're not bowing down to a gold 90-foot idol, but you're bowing down to an unethical practice. Maybe there's another compromise. And, and, and every, oh, oh, and here's the thing. You, you guys have heard this before. Everybody's doing it. Right? Everybody's doing this. And, I remember when I gave my heart to Christ and 
making those decisions. Was I going to stand for God? Was I going to love God with all of my heart? Or was I going to go back with my friends and do the same things and go to the same places? And I, I, I realized that, 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 that it was unfruitful for my life. And it's pressure. It's pressure to make decisions. And, 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 and when you're taking a stand that's out of step with, well, others. These men don't bow. They have a titanium rod of faith in their back. Yeah, yes they do. Here it is. All of a sudden they hear the sound. They, they, they hear the cry across Babylon. 20,000 or more people all bow down to the graven image. And they declare Nebuchadnezzar is God. Watch this. Watch this. And these three guys, they're by themselves. Now, there's some tattletalers. Y- y'all do realize that, right? People that are jealous. Are ta- so there's some tattletalers. Let, 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 let's, let's read this. Watch this. Look at Daniel chapter 3, verse 12. There are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. See, there's some jealous Chaldeans here, man. There's some jealous people. Because these Jewish boys, the hand of God was upon their life. God promoted them. God's favor came upon them. By the way, don't think everybody's going to be thrilled when God promotes you. Don't, don't think that everybody's going to, you know, high five you. Remember Joseph, he got thrown in a pit when he had a vision that his brothers were going to work for the family business and he was the leader. Uh, by, by the way, I'm, I'm just telling you, I, I know that may be painful. I know that may, some of you guys are going through a situation right now. You thought everybody was going to get excited, but listen to me. This is so important. Not everybody gets excited when God blesses you. There were some certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. Listen, listen, king. Remember, remember Shadrach? Yeah, you liked him. And Meshach and Abednego, these men, oh, king, guess what? Guess what? They've not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods. They do not worship the golden image which you have set up. The problem is Nebuchadnezzar is demanding wholehearted worship. So Nebuchadnezzar's on the spot. Oh, man. What am I going to do? I told everybody that when they heard the sound of the crier and it went across Babylon, everybody was to bow down. By the way, the word worship actually means to bow down, to worship. You're telling me what? Yeah, those three Jewish boys, you brought them over there. You thought, yeah, man, they're top notch. You promoted them. Well, guess what? They're not following the rules. Oh. Nebuchadnezzar's, man, he's in a jam. He kind of liked the guys. He saw some unique gifting on their lives. You know the interesting thing about the word worship? By the way, I put this in your notes. This is important because I want to unpack this just for a moment, the word worship. Worship, what is worship, Pastor? Worship is the act of demonstrating love, respect, honor, reverence, and adoration Word of God. Remember this, whatever you love the most in life, you worship it. If you love sports the most, you worship it. If you love a relationship the most, you worship it. If you love money the most, you worship it. If you love Jesus the most, you worship him. Worship is what you give your ultimate, watch this, your ultimate honor, respect, and adoration to. That's what worship is, your devotion above everything else. Now, 
Now, what does idolatry mean? You guys ever heard that before? Well, man, idolatry. Idolatry is like when you go like to another country and there's these temples and they, you walk in, it's kind of dark and ominous and they light candles, these weird things and, and they're kind of pagan temples. That's idolatry. Well, that, yes. But let's bring it closer to home. Idolatry is anytime you put the creation in place of the creator in your life. In other words, idolatry, I gave you a definition. Idolatry is anything, listen, it's anything that we put above our love, our devotion, and our relationship with the one true God. In other words, idolatry is whenever you take what God has given you and you put it in the place of God. Oh, wow. These three men faced a 90-foot golden idol. We face much more subtle, yet more powerful idols in our culture today. Idols that we have often inordinate attachments to. Idols that the reality is God has given us things and God has given us life and gifts and talents and abilities and resources. And yet, and, and, and while they can be a bless, they can be a blessing if they're in the proper place. If they take the place of the creator, they become a curse. That's called idolatry. Think about possessions for a moment. God gives us possessions to enjoy, to provide for our families, to be a generous to people. The problem is, is that possessions can seductively take the place of God in our hearts. That's what the Bible talks about, the love of money. Not money, but the love of money. What does that mean? When you make money number one in your life. You guys ever heard that term mind space? Mind space when your mind is filled with space. In other words, if all day long your whole mind space is filled with the acclamation of resources apart from where God takes preeminence. In other words, where your thought, where you wake up, where you go to bed, it's all about that pursuit. Nothing wrong with resources, but they're part of the creation. They can't be the creator. Only the creator should capture our passion. What about pleasure? Nothing wrong with pleasure. God made us, watch us, with senses, what we smell and taste. We, yeah, God, God made us with, with, with appreciation, with aesthetic appreciation. When we see a beautiful sunset, we see the, a mountain peak. And it's, there's a sense of awe or a, or, a, or, a, or a wave crashing in. God made us with taste buds. When, when we eat something, it's like, oh, that's so satisfying, that Popeye's chicken. Can I have a witness and God said, I know it doesn't, and I know, I know it's not supposed to, you know, because at our age, but, but I'm, are you with me? God made us with what we can see and what we can smell, beautiful perfumes. There's nothing wrong with that. But, 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 but when pleasures, when pleasures, when God created part of his creation, and, and by the way, I'm, in, I'm, I'm into adventure, I love sports, I, I played football, I was a coach, I did all that stuff, I, 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 I hunt, I do all those things, I, I, so there's nothing wrong with activities, but when, when your pursuit in life is where pleasure becomes your ultimate goal rather than God, you've got the creator and the creation flipped. That's called idolatry. It's idolatry in our lives. And it captures our time. It captures our attention. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, God richly gives us all things to enjoy. And you know how subtle this is in our life. It creeps into our life. 
whether it's the pursuit of this or the pursuit of that, pursuit of this, and I say this very respectfully, some people are more concerned about who they draft on their fantasy football team than whether or not their small group's going to meet this month. Oh my gosh, you got quiet in church just now. And I'm into football. I'm into sports. I'm all, all into it. But I'm going to tell you something. Where's our heart? Is it for God? Is it for the Bible? Is it for the presence of God? Is it for being with the community of believers? Or is that just a little part of our life? Are y'all with me? Man, it got real quiet in church. Where's our ultimate passion? Whether it's possessions, whether it's pleasure, whether it's preeminence. Some people live to get their name in the who's who, the what's what, the chief seat at the banquet. There's nothing wrong with a certain level of appreciation, but are we driven by that? Are we inordinately driven by this vacuous, soulish thing where we've got to be recognized and affirmed and esteemed, and we've got to be noticed? You know, I struggled. Here's, an ad, here's just a kind of a transparent thing. I struggled being on social media. I wasn't, I'm 51. I, I, I never had Facebook. Because I understand there's, there's a balance there. But what I had a problem with is that, is that is when people would just put stuff on there, just and it's something in me, I thought, okay. And I finally had to get over that because I realized I need to communicate to the people that I pastor. But I'm going to tell you something. There's a motive thing that we have to evaluate. There's something in there where it crosses the line, where it's more about us than what we can do. I, there's, I, and I don't even know, only the Holy Spirit can show you that. But you need to be sensitive to the Spirit of God. Because self-aggrandizement, self-adulation, self-exaltation, there's something in that. Only God can show you when it crosses the line. So idolatry. Pastor, I'm not an idolater. I've never been to India and nailed down. I've never kneeled down in a Hindu temple. Yeah, but is the creation become number one in your heart? By the way, let me share this with you. You guys know this. This is a little theological background. I want everybody to tie into me. Stay with me. Do you guys realize who Lucifer was? Satan. Satan. We call him Satan, right? Well, in the Old Testament, his name was actually Lucifer. And if you read about him in the book of Isaiah and in Ezekiel, Lucifer himself was actually the worship leader in heaven before he fell. Did did y'all know that? I know what some of y'all thinking as a guest. You've never been in something like this. This guy is like, this is like getting weird. No, it's actually in the Bible. It's in the Bible. Okay? The B-I-B-L-E, the book for you and me. Are y'all with me? It's in the Bible. Yes. Now watch this. Watch this. Guess what? Here it is. Lucifer, guess what his basic position in heaven? He was a worship leader. He was the number two. And one day, he looked at God and he goes, you know what? I want his spot. Guess what happened? That didn't work out real good for him. (laughs) The Bible says he was cast down and a third of the angels followed him. What's my point, pastor? Lucifer was a created being. When any time the creation tries to take place of the creator, it becomes a curse and idolatry. Let's enjoy what God's given us. Let's love him, though, more than any of the gifts. Come on, are y'all with me or not? Come on. All right, here we go. Stay with me. I got 10 minutes. I need everybody at all of our campuses. Here we go. They're not bowing down. Nebuchadnezzar knows. It's a moment of reckoning. Daniel chapter 3, verse 22. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, 
And the flames of fire killed those men who took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In other words, the fiery furnace was so hot, they, they, these guys are bound, and they're, they're being brought to the prison. The people that are actually bringing them to, to, the, to the furnace are dying on the path. And this thing is cranked up. And, they, and these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and, and he rose in haste, and and spoke, saying to his counselors, did we not cast three men? Because Nebuchadnezzar, he runs down there, he goes, all right, I want what happened with these guys. He kind of, he liked these guys. But he was bound to his word related to the worship. And he looks in there and he says, wait a minute, time out. King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. He rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, true, O king. He said, look. Look, I don't see three, I see four men loose. Not only loose, they're walking around. They're like they're at a campfire. They're in the midst of the fire and they're not hurt. And the fourth is, the, is in the form of the Son of God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego trusted God more than they feared the king. Question, I want everybody to hear me. Do you trust God more than you fear your friends? Do you trust God more than you fear, you fill in the blank? Do you trust God? We should trust God. He loves us. He's not mad at us. He wants to help us. They trusted God. He said, we're, we're not going to bow down and we're going to leave all the consequences up to God. Whatever the implications of that. Here's, here's the cool thing about walking by faith. You make a decision. Watch this. You make a decision. And then it's a faith moment. What's going to happen at that moment? Oh, yeah. They feared God and trusted God more than they feared the king. They, they trusted God more than they feared the fire. They trusted God more than they feared death itself. Nebuchadnezzar says, I want you to crank that furnace up as hot as you can. Imagine these three young men facing what it looks like to be their final moments. But they're faithful. They're faithful to God. They're faithful to God. They're staring death down in the face, but they're faithful to God. They won't bow down. They're not going to bow down to the idol. They're real people. They've got real hurts. They've got real insecurities. They've got real fears. But their faith is overcoming their fears. They're trusting God. It's, 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 it's gripped them. Why? Because they're not idolaters. The only way that you can stand in the fire and stand under the pressure is to make a decision who your God is. Are you with me? Who your God is. They see the flames. They see the men who carry them into the furnace collapse and die from the fire. Then they're in the furnace. We're here. They wait for the pain. They wait for the numbness, the smoke inhalation. They're waiting. But nothing happens. Nothing's happening. They're, they're in the fire. The best part is when, it, when this test turns into a divine encounter. Suddenly they look up and, 
And they know that it's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're not sure who it is at first. They're thinking, maybe Daniel showed up. I mean, this is like a true friend. But it wasn't Daniel. It was, it was, a, it was, it was, it was the Son of God. It was, it was, theologians call it a theophany, which is a pre-incarnate, a pre-incarnate manifestation of Christ in the Old Testament. A theophany. It was God. It was Christ who showed up in the fiery furnace. Apparently, they all spent a little time together in the furnace. I wonder what they said to each other. I wonder if the fourth man in the furnace told them how proud the Father was of them. Because of this one act of faithfulness, their names would be remembered for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. I wonder if he told them that centuries all over the world, for generations to come, that men and women who would suffer persecution, who would suffer pain, who would suffer loss, who would suffer trials, and even death itself, that they would hear about and be strengthened by their faith. I wonder if the fourth man told them, guys, you don't realize how this is going to strengthen believers. Yeah. I wonder what the three friends said back to the fourth man. I bet they poured out adoration and gratitude and worship. Earlier that day, they went to the plain of Dura, planning to withhold worship from a false idol, and they end up worshiping Jesus in the furnace. Come on. They end up worshiping Jesus. The furnace, which looked like the end, it turned out to be the greatest encounter. Listen, you don't know what's on the other side of your obedience. We always count the cost on the front end. Why don't we realize there's benefits on the back end? It pays to not be an idolater. It pays of joy and peace and power. God decided, here it is. This is a word for somebody. God decided. God decided to deliver Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the furnace, not from the furnace. In the furnace, not from. Here's the point of the story. They probably hoped to be delivered from the furnace. Pastor, if you knew what I was going through, if you knew what I was going through, if you, if you knew, listen to me, listen to me. I want to encourage you. God will deliver you in the trial. God will, he doesn't always deliver us from the trial. Sometimes he does. But in, right in the midst of the storm, he'll give you faith and peace and power to persevere and to walk through it and not be burnt. That's what God will do. God will do that. God will do that. God will do that for you. I love that scripture in Isaiah. Oh, man, it's so powerful. Our last scripture, it says this. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. Nobody promises you a carefree life. This is not a social utopian experience. This is not heaven. This is not heaven. Trust me, this is not heaven. <laughs> this is a real world with real problems and real challenges and real trials and a real devil, by the way, who realized he got kicked out. And he brought a third of the angels. That's called demon spirits. And there's life and there's calamity and there's pain. But when you pass through the waters, Jesus said, I will be with you. When you go through the rivers, they'll not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. That's the promise from God. That's a promise from God. There's a fourth man that showed up in the furnace. And a fourth man wants to show up in your furnace today. 
He wants to show up. He wants to show up in your life. He wants to show up in your marriage. Show up. He wants to show up in that addiction. He wants to show up and say, I'm with you. I'm for you. Let me help you fight against that. Let me help you. Let me strengthen you. See that, that is not who you are. You're a child of God. You, 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 that's not who you are anymore. Let me strengthen your will. Let me fill you with power to overcome. Let me, let me help you fight against that depression. Let me help you. Let me help strengthen you. I am a fourth man, and I'm going to show up in your furnace if you'll open your eyes. If you'll open your eyes. God is for us. He's not against us. God is with us. God loves us. And God wants to show up in our lives. How many of y'all are grateful? Come on. How many of y'all are grateful for the fourth man? There's a fourth man. There's a fourth man in our fire. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads at every one of our campuses and those that are joining us online right now. I sense the Holy Spirit. There's a fourth man that wants to show up in your fire. His name is Jesus Christ, and he loves you, and he cares about you. Maybe you've come here today, one of our campuses, or maybe you've joined us online today, and you're away from God. Maybe somebody told you about this church and to tune in and and that they can help you there. Well, the good news is, is that we serve a God that's alive. His name is Jesus. And here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I can't save you. Church of the King can't save you. But I'll tell you what I can do. I can point you to the one who saves. His name is Jesus. Question, do you know Christ? Do you know that you know if you die today that you're ready to stand before God? The Bible says, whoever calls upon that name, the name of of Jesus shall be saved. In just a moment, at all of our campuses, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to Christ. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. In just a moment, the count of three, I'm just going to ask you to, sh- to lift your hands. And those of you that are online, I'm going, to let, I'm going to ask you to let your hosts know as well that you're trusting Christ. I'm not going to do anything to embarrass you today, but I sense the Holy Spirit is dealing with people. 32 years ago, I remember being in a moment like this where God, the Holy Spirit, when I was 19 years old, he was drawing me. He was talking to me. Steve, I love you. I want to save you. I want to deliver you. I want to help you. Do you know Christ? Do you know that you know if you die today, you're ready to stand before God? At the count of three, with everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, if you say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I need the blood of Jesus to wash me and to cleanse me. Would you just lift your hand at the count of three? Pastor, I need Christ. One, two, three. Quickly, hold your hand up high. God bless you guys. God bless your hand. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you there, sir. God bless you guys up top. God bless you over here. God bless every single one of you. God bless you guys right there. I believe that God has brought you today. He loves you. He has a wonderful plan for your life. And this is the first step, trusting Christ as our Savior. Church, let's pray with those that are trusting Jesus. Come on, all of our campuses, those in Baton Rouge, those on the Gulf Coast, those on our South Shore, here at the Little Creek Campus, all the thousands that are joining us online. Come on, let's just join our faith together with those that are trusting Christ, the most powerful and important prayer they'll ever pray. Let's pray together. Say, dear Jesus, come on, dear Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in need of a Savior. Say, Jesus... I repent of my sin. I let go of my past. And I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say, Jesus, wash me with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. 
I want you to say this. Say, Jesus, I take my life and I put it in your hands. From this day forward, I belong to you. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the word of the living God taking root deep in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name. I need everybody to give me 30 seconds at all of our campuses here at Little Creek. If you prayed and trusted Christ, the Bible says, actually, this is important because it's a decision that you've made. The Bible talks about making a decision to trust Christ. And that's why we have cards that are called decision. This is a card that says, I made a decision to trust Christ. Nobody can make you do that. It's your decision. You have a personal relationship with Christ. That's so important. It's you having a personal relationship with Christ. So there's a card behind your chair. It's called My Decision. I'm asking you to fill this out. Why am I asking you to do that? On the way out, there's buckets. You simply put it in there. Why? So that we can send you a letter and talk about what it means to take your next step in God. Matter of fact, in our buckets on the way out, you can put your guest cards. We want to send you a letter, a decision cards. And of course, those of you that are giving as well, you can do that. I'm going to ask everybody to stand. How many of y'all were encouraged by that message today? Come on now. Everybody say, there is a fourth man in the fire. Oh man, you'll never forget that. There's a fourth, there's somebody that shows up. Sometimes he delivers us from the furnace, but he always delivers us in the furnace. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for your amazing grace upon our lives. I bless your people that go forth this day. I thank you for favor. The Bible says in Psalms 5:12, may the favor of God surround your life this day like a shield. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, can we give the Lord a hand clap? Come on, can we do this? We love you guys. God bless you. We'll see you next week. What a great message. I think this series just keeps getting better and better. Missy, I totally agree. I'll be honest, I'm ready for next week, like right now, but we're gonna have to wait. Yep. Well, we do appreciate you guys joining us this week. And if you have any questions, we're here for you. You can always email us at online at churchofthekingcom Well, have a great week and we'll see you next week.